0: Before we get into the text this morning, I need to give you a little bit of a context uh, because some of the accounts that we are going to read in the verses are recorded elsewhere in the Bible. So I need to give you a little bit of background information um, prior to us uh, reading the verses. So the book of Joshua, uh, as you've probably already noted in your study, stands as an important uh, entry into the biblical narrative. Like, Uh, While the first five books of the Bible introduce major themes and covenants and promises, the book of Joshua sees their fulfillment. So, centuries have passed since God first made his covenant with Abraham that he would one day give the land of Canaan to his descendants. This promise is repeated to Isaac and Jacob and and is even renewed with Moses and so this promise is repeated again and again time and time again to the people of Israel and so finally when the day arrived that they were to receive the promised land numbers chapter 13 and 14 tells us that the people of Israel rejected it out of fear of the giants that lived in the land and because of their unfaithfulness God swears that they would not enter into the land, and punishes the people by keeping them in the wilderness for 40 more years. So you might remember some of that. However, because of their faithfulness, God spared only two men, Joshua and a man named Caleb. And as a result of their faithfulness, God not only allowed them to enter into the land that God had promised them, but he promised that they would inherit land. So, since you've studied the book of Joshua, since the people of Israel have entered into the promised land uh, in Joshua chapter 3, it's been five additional years. Five additional years have passed since they've entered. Five years of war. Five years of hard work. Five years of waiting. Which means what? By the time we get to Joshua chapter 14, it's been 45 years, 45 years that Joshua and Caleb have waited for their promise. And so for those of us here this morning who have spent years waiting for God to act, years waiting for God to answer promises, we kind of resonate with Caleb and Joshua in this moment as we're anticipating God's final fulfillment of his promises. We resonate with how they might feel. We understand how it is to wait. And so Joshua, as we get into Joshua 14, now begins to divide the land among the tribes of Israel. So if you would, look at chapter 14, uh, beginning in verse uh, 16. or I'm sorry, verse 6. Joshua writes, Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, and Kadesh Barnea concerning you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord, my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord, my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said, these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke. This word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I am this day 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength is now as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall drive them out, just as the Lord said. Then Joshua blessed him, and he gave Hebron to Caleb the son of Jephunneh for an inheritance. Therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenazite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Now the name of Hebron formerly was Kereth Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim. And the land had rest from war. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. You may be seated. As I mentioned. And as you guys have already uh, studied. Chapter 14 begins with Joshua dividing up the land. Suddenly the narrative focuses on a man named Caleb. And like Joshua Caleb was a man who was born a slave in Egypt. Verse 6 tells us that Caleb is a Kenazite, which simply means he was the son of a man named Kenaz, uh, a, uh, a father of his. Now, the name of Caleb has a couple of meanings. And traditionally, Caleb's name is closely related to the word dog, which is intended as an insult. However... However, the biblical name Caleb actually may mean faithful servant, which describes the life of Caleb perfectly as it is the key to understanding our passage this morning. And I'll hit on that a little more towards the end. But Caleb's name means faithful servant as it describes his life so perfectly. And so as Joshua is dividing up the land, Caleb speaks up. He gives a petition for the land that God had promised them, he comes to the front of the crowd and says, "Hold up! Wait a minute, Joshua! Wait a minute!" And in his request, he reminds Joshua of the history that they both share. In fact, the words that Joshua or that Caleb uses in verse six emphasizes Joshua's involvement in the story. Uh, you could paraphrase it like this: Joshua, you of all people should know you were there. Joshua, you, you know, you know you were there, you remember? And so Caleb then reminds Joshua how 40 years ago they were among the 12 spies that Moses sent out on a scouting mission. So Numbers chapter 13 and 14 record for us that Moses sent out 12 spies to observe the land, right? To, to see what the land was like, to, to report back about the inhabitants of the land. But when the spies returned, 10 of them, and you might remember this from Sunday school, right? 10 of them gave a bad report. They gave a bad report concerning the giants. And as a result of the report, the people, the hearts of the people melted. In other words, when the spies gave the report, they were emphasizing the mighty armies, the strength of the people there, the fortified cities and they emphasized it to a point that the people who heard it the blood drained from their face as they lost the strength and will to go forward they cowered in fear and the bible says that they actually went home in bitterness and weeping and mourning they heard about it they went home and felt sorry for themselves because god had brought them all this way to what face armies that they couldn't overtake. And so they went home weeping and crying. And the Bible tells us that the next morning, Caleb stood before Moses and before the people of Israel, and he challenged them to keep going forward, keep going forward and to take the land as God commanded them. Now, we know that rather than doing what God commanded them, the people of Israel rejected it. In fact, they complained to Moses. They said, Moses, did you bring us out here to face these giants so that the women and the children might be killed? And you can almost kind of sense a little bit that they were hiding their own doubts behind this facade of protecting their family. Well, we can't do that. What if they overtake our women and children? Well, that's never happened before. But suddenly, that's all they care about. So, as we read our text this morning in Joshua 14, Caleb's making a petition, and he's contrasting the unfaithfulness of the spies with his own faithfulness. And you might note several times in our passage, at least three times, how the Bible describes Caleb as what? Holy following the Lord. And because of his faithfulness, because he wholly followed the Lord, God promises him a land of inheritance And so, as as Caleb is reminding Joshua of this history, in verses 10 through 12, the focus then shifts. He moves from what happened 40 years ago to the present. He says, now, Joshua, I'm now 85 years old, but God has kept me here for this moment. He's preserved me for this inheritance. Let me take it. Let me claim what God has promised me. And so... He's emphasizing his own condition, his own readiness to claim what God has promised him. So, Caleb's story this morning is meant to encourage God's people to remain faithful in their waiting. And to highlight for us the faithfulness of God to, to fulfill his promises. So this morning, here's what I want you to consider. I want you to consider several truths that we'll learn from Caleb's life about faithfulness in our waiting and about God's faithfulness and how this story ultimately ties into the gospel. So Caleb's life actually teaches us three truths about faithfulness. And I know there's probably more, uh, but I can only think so much. So three truths, okay? First. Caleb's life teaches us that faithfulness is rooted in uncompromised convictions. You want to be a person who is characterized as faithful, as wholly following the Lord? That needs to be rooted in uncompromised convictions. In chapter 14, verse 7, Caleb says that he brought the people a report that was on his heart. Now, we're not talking about that he was just sharing his feelings in the moment, right? We're not, that's not what we're talking about. Caleb is saying that he gave an unbiased account that was anchored and rooted in his belief about God. He told the people what he believed and that was rooted in a divine promise that Israel would receive the promised land. So Caleb is standing firm in his faithfulness. He is rooted in uncompromising convictions. And in Numbers chapter 13 and 14, We read that Caleb ultimately took an unpopular stance, right? It was his word against the ten spies. Caleb's stance uh, was against the the, the ten spies. And you might be tempted to think, well, what's the big deal about that? You know, because we might be tempted to read that and think that maybe they just had a theological difference and they decided to part ways. No, no, no. When I say that Caleb took an unpopular stance, what I mean is, When they rejected Caleb and what he was saying, they picked up rocks to stone him. Numbers chapter 14 tells us they tried to kill him. Why? Because he held uncompromising convictions. Caleb faced threats of death and rejection, but he never abandoned his beliefs about God and what he promised. He never abandoned his beliefs about what God said in his word. And church, if you want to be characterized As a faithful servant like Caleb, you must have uncompromising convictions because this world is going to press in on you to change, to change certain things about what we believe. And I think the month of June for our culture really sets the example for this because you may or may not know that June is the LGBTQ month. It's Pride Month. It's everywhere. And what does the world expect us to do? They expect us to cave to their view. They're expecting us to cave to our ideology. If you want to remain faithful as a church, you're going to have to take a hard stance. You're going to have to have uncompromised convictions. You need to get in the word, study what God has said, and cling to those promises And don't let people move you, no matter if you have 10 spies against you or not. And note this. Caleb calls them his his brothers. He doesn't hold bitterness towards them. But it does tell me something else. These people came within their own ranks. There might be people in the church, even in the Baptist world, who might pressure us into giving in to our convictions. But let me tell you, if you want to be faithful, you have to have Uncompromising convictions. The second truth that I noticed in Caleb's life is that faithfulness is demonstrated in our trusting obedience to God's commandments. Trusting obedience to God's commandments. Three times in the passage was the Bible tell us that Caleb wholly followed the Lord. That is, Caleb followed the Lord in every way that he knew how, in every area of his life with complete commitment. Caleb trusted the Lord. He didn't hold back from him. Whatever God asked of him, he said, that's yours, Lord. You can do with it as you will. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. And notice that in this section of verses, notice how many times Caleb mentions the name of Yahweh, that capital L-O-R-D, Right? Notice how many times it's mentioned throughout the Bible, throughout this passage. The Lord promised, the Lord promised, the Lord said, the Lord is with me. What What is Joshua trying to do? What is this passage trying to do for us? It's trying to emphasize God's working in the story and how much Caleb was trusting that. That he was trusting God to do what he said he was going to do. Trusting obedience. And as we're reading this, remember, he's 85 years old. He's reflecting back on a life of faithfulness. He's reflecting back on a life of of trusting obedience. And how did that trusting obedience play out in Caleb's life? Well, that trusting obedience played out, first of all, in his patience. You want to exercise trusting obedience. And sometimes we like to associate trusting obedience with doing something very radical, like, you know, going to the ends of the earth and doing something like that. Trusting obedience can be that, but but primarily it can be just simply waiting for God to work. Sometimes trusting obedience is, and always is, it's not just sometimes, it is patience. Patience. No wonder the Bible tells us that those who wait upon the Lord shall, what, renew their strength. And isn't that what Caleb says about his experience with God? I'm 85 years old, and I have the strength of a 40-year-old. What a miracle. <laughs> the unspoken miracle of Caleb's life. He learned patience. Caleb trusted God and was willing to wait 45 years. How long can you wait? How long? And let me tell you something else. Let me encourage you with this, though. Because sometimes we get in those moments and we think maybe it's not working or I'm doing something wrong. Faithfulness does not mean perceived success. You can be faithful and it doesn't look like you're succeeding. Let me tell you, 45 years of waiting does not sound like succeeding. It doesn't sound like success. And as Caleb was waiting... It didn't sound like it was all going right. But here's the point. Our trusting obedience means that we have a long-term view of waiting on God to fulfill his promises. We have a long-term view. We just wait for God to work. And then when we see him working, we move forward boldly as we identify his work. And Caleb's trusting obedience, by the way, It's not hindered by perceived limitations. And think about that this morning. Caleb's faithfulness is not hindered by his perceived limitations. And what are his perceived limitations? Well, there's giants in the land. They occupy a country called Hebron that is a mountainous region. And Caleb's got this other issue where he's 85 years old, right? 85 years old, his perceived limitations. Listen, whoever you are this morning, don't let your limitations limit what God can do through you. God is not limited by what you're limited by. He's not limited by your age. He's not limited by your incapabilities. And so, as Caleb, Since since Caleb highlights his age here, let me just quickly say to the older generation, God's not done with you. And to the younger generation, don't waste your life. Follow the Lord. That's something Caleb learned to do as a young man. Caleb is reflecting on a life of a a trusting obedience uh, in his younger years. Simply put, those who follow the Lord will never regret it. If you were to ask Caleb, Caleb, did you ever regret following the Lord all these years? He'd say, no. Caleb, do you regret waiting 45 years? Do you feel that that time is wasted? If you were to ask him if it was a wasted time waiting patiently, what do you think you'd say? Absolutely not. Those who follow after the Lord never regret it. And their time is never wasted. So whether you're young or old in here this morning, learn from Caleb and his faithfulness. Third, faithfulness, Caleb's life teaches us that faithfulness requires unwavering confidence in the revealed character of God. Unwavering confidence in the revealed character of God. And I think here, this is where we depart from traditional Sunday school lessons and start really thinking about how we can connect with Caleb in our real life. Because let me ask you this, have you ever wondered why God was so angry with the people when they rejected the land? Let me tell you, it wasn't because they rejected the land, it was because they rejected him. Numbers chapter 14 tells us that the Lord says to Moses after the reject, and he, he says, how long will they despise me? How long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I have done with them? In other words, God is saying, how long must I prove myself? How long will the people despise me and who I've re- revealed myself to be? How long will they reject me? Caleb's faithfulness, Caleb's faithfulness is rooted in his past experience with God's faithfulness. Why is, Abel, why is Caleb able to wait for God? Why is Caleb able to move forward and trust him? Because he's had a past experience with God that has taught him to keep moving forward. Think about this. Caleb has seen God's protection at the Red Sea. Caleb seen God's provision in the manna. Caleb experienced God's presence at Mount Sinai. Caleb saw God's leading through the pillar of fire and of cloud. Caleb saw the glory of God descending upon the tabernacle in the wilderness. Caleb recognized God's grace and mercy in keeping him alive 40 more years so that he can keep his promise. Caleb knew that because the Lord had shown himself to be a good and that he had shown himself to be good and faithful in the past, he knew that God would be good to him now. Think about this, church. When you are wondering what God is doing in your future, where God is going to place you what God is going to do you can rest confidence in what he has already done how he's already demonstrated himself to you in your life and many of you i sure we could take time many of you could talk about and testify to God's faithfulness in your own life God delivered me God saved me he provided he won't abandon me now that's Caleb that's Caleb. So, as Caleb's story is meant to encourage God's people to remain faithful and to high, but it's also meant to highlight for us the faithfulness of God to fulfill his promises. So let me real quickly cover God's faithfulness in keeping his promises first. God is committed to keeping his covenant. This is what we're meant to learn. In Joshua chapter 14, Caleb chose a land called Hebron. And I've always wondered why Caleb chose Hebron, because it's a mountainous country, so it's not easy to to live in, and it's filled with giants that he was going to have to fight. And he's also 85, so both of those things would have been especially hard. And I've always wondered, why does Caleb choose Hebron? He doesn't choose beachfront property, right? Caleb doesn't pick a nice little hillside country. He doesn't choose to live next to a nice golf course, though that would have been nice, and he could have done it. Now, that's not what he decides to do. Well, Hebron is where Abraham and his wife lived. It's where God made his first covenant with them. It's where Abraham and his wife were ultimately buried. And Abraham intentionally bought a place to be buried in Hebron, Because he knew that one day God would bring his descendants back to inherit the land. So thematically, Caleb is drawing near to the place where he knew God's covenant was. Where God first made the promises. Caleb chose the land of Hebron not only because of that. But because Hebron is also where the ten spies learned of the giants. That's where their unfaithfulness was demonstrated. As far as Caleb was concerned, this conquest that you're reading about in Joshua, this conquest of Canaan isn't over and it's never gonna be over until God's faithfulness is vindicated, until his covenant is fulfilled. And Caleb knew that God would fulfill his covenant because his covenant, God's fulfilling of his covenant was a demonstration of his character. It was a demonstration of who God is. God is eternal, he, he never changes, he never lies. Therefore, Caleb was trusting God will keep his covenant. And as you move forward from this passage, Caleb is just the first story of five of these characters who ask for and receive their inheritance. God is a covenant keeping God. It's meant to reassure us. Look, God came through for Caleb then. He can do that for me. He can keep his promises to me. These stories stand as testimonies to God's faithfulness in keeping his promises. But here's something else. We don't want to walk away from here thinking that Caleb is just a mere example of faithfulness. Yes. He is an example of faithfulness as we've already talked about. But embedded in this story is the history of the progress of God's redemption. God uses Caleb's loyalty and faith to bring about the realization of his promised land. Caleb is meant to move forward. His story is meant to move us forward in the history of redemption. The first five books Tell us and teach us to anticipate the coming of the promised land. And Caleb finally receives the first inheritance. Caleb's story is to move us forward in God's redemption story. Second, God honors, the the passage teaches us that God honors those who remain faithful. God will keep his promise especially to those who remain faithful. As we've seen, Caleb demonstrated his faithfulness, and as a result, he's the first to receive an inheritance. And it's in Hebrews uh, chapter 11 that the Bible tells us that those who come to God must believe that he is, and he is also what? A rewarder of those who seek him. God will honor you as a faithful servant. To those who struggle wondering whether or not being faithful is worth the fight, God will Honor your faithfulness. Isn't that what Revelation teaches us? When you read the first five chapters of Revelation, when Jesus tells the church to be faithful, what does he say? Those who are faithful receive a crown. They join with him in his victory. They join with him in his inheritance. God honors those who remain faithful to him. And why does he do that? Because he's committed to his own glory. He's committed to the glory of his name. And that's the approach that Caleb has. In his life. It's all about God. His plans. His purposes. It's a God centered life. Centered on his glory. So. As we, as we close this morning. What are the gospel connections here? What are the gospel connections? Well simply put our faith our faith is always a struggle for faithfulness we are constantly asking ourselves how can we be more faithful which in itself testifies to the truth that i can't remain faithful the fact that i'm always having to ask myself am i being faithful how can i be more faithful just testifies to the fact that i'm struggling to be faithful I cannot remain faithful. The Old Testament teaches what? The people of God cannot remain faithful. So our struggle to faithfulness points to a deeper truth that we need Jesus to be faithful on our behalf. Caleb was a faithful servant of Yahweh, but he foreshadows the true and better faithful servant, Jesus Christ, who lives a faithful life on your behalf who remained faithful to God despite opposition. He trusted the character of his father and was obedient to the point of death. Jesus overcomes the giants of sin and death in the grave. Jesus alone receives the promise of inheritance as he sits at the right hand of the father. Jesus is the faithful servant. And we look to him because I can't do this. Caleb couldn't do it without God's grace, but we certainly can't do it. We have to look to Jesus who lived it on our behalf, who was faithful on our behalf. And in my unfaithfulness, I have to trust that he's good enough, that he's faithful, and he is. Jesus is the true and better faithful servant. The second gospel connection, that the giving of the land as Joshua's dividing out the land and giving Caleb his inheritance. The giving of the land foreshadows for us the future inheritance of God's God's people in Christ. Because throughout the Old Testament, his people were promised to one day inherit the land where they could find rest. And the book of Hebrews tells us that there remained a rest for them that they had not received, God's eternal rest. The land of Canaan foreshadows for us a better dwelling place, an internal inheritance where one day you as a faithful servant will inherit an eternal kingdom and dwell in the presence of God forever. Take hope, church. When we read this passage, it's not about giving out the land. It's knowing that God will one day keep his covenant with me. And the new covenant that we've been given through the Holy Spirit, sealed on our hearts for the day of redemption, you will one day receive it. Remain faithful, church. Remain faithful. So how are we to respond this morning? Be faithful. How's your faithfulness? Are you trusting God in your circumstance? Are you obedient in what God has commanded you this morning? And finally, church, be confident. Be confident in the hope and the faithfulness of God. Because he will one day reward us for our faithfulness. Let's pray with with me as we continue in our worship this morning. Our Father in heaven... God, we thank you that you are a covenant-keeping God. You keep your promises. And Father, as we observe this world filled with broken promises, filled with broken covenants, Father, marriage is broken, families broken. Father, we, we know what brokenness is, but Father, we trust that unlike us, you are able to keep all that you have said. And Father, we hope We hope in those promises. We have confidence. And so, Father, let us remain faithful. Give us your spirit, Father, to remain faithful in our convictions, to trust in obedience, to be patient in our waiting as we wait for the fulfillment. And, Father, we pray that we trust your revealed character. Father, let us count our blessings and name them one by one as we learn to trust you, Father. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.